Here we are, episode four of the Sam Fouch Show. I'm here, downtown Indianapolis, with Mr. Josh. I'll let him say his last name. Del Magani. There we go. He's a real estate agent here in downtown Indianapolis at the White Stag Realty. Josh, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, man? Uh, living the dream. Glad to be here. Glad to be back downtown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get started. Let's talk about your your real estate career, how we got into real estate. Man, um, so my original professional background was restaurant management. Okay, that's a... And then probably when I was like 23 or 24, I'm like, I don't know if I would do this forever. So I interviewed with uh, three big brokerages all on the west side. Gotcha. Um, did not pull the trigger on any. And instead, I went into hospitality. Then my wife got pregnant, and she made more money than me, so I needed Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, right? Yeah. Uh, so I ended up working for a company that rents out office space to entrepreneurs and self-employed people. One of my clients had gotten his real estate license years ago. Gotcha. And he had the idea for the company that he wanted to start if he found the right either person or people to help him start it. Oh, so he wanted to start his own brokerage initially. He did. Okay. But you've got to wait at least two years in the state of Indiana yep. um, to be able to do that. So he got his license with the foresight of if he found somebody to help him get it off the ground, he would do it. And we kind of hit it off again with my past employer and him as my client. Gotcha. Um, and then he approached me, I think it was October of 2018, and he was like, have you ever thought about doing real estate? And I said, yeah, but I didn't do it because a lot of people don't make it. Yes. And the average income is way lower than I would have thought. Yep. And so when he pitched the idea for White Stag, uh, I thought about it for a couple of months, and, it, man, it made a lot of sense. So we pulled the trigger. I got licensed January of 2019, and it's been a wild ride ever since. So you started out being a partner and owning a brokerage before even selling anywhere else? Well, technically, I don't. I either I didn't know for sure if I could own half of the business yet. So our yeah, agreement okay. was um, for two years, I'd be an acting agent and kind of run the company. Gotcha. Uh, he does our, his name's Jeff. He does our um, SEO and our accounting. Okay. And at the two-year market, I have the option to buy a portion of the company, nice. which I exercised. Wow. So now, yes, now but at the time, no. So how, how were those first couple of years of being a real estate agent, I always like to ask that question because it's... Man, I'm still in the first couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not how were they, it's how are they. Well, how are they, yeah. How's the present time treating you? Uh, right now, I know the market's crazy. Yeah, which we'll get to. I don't... Yeah. People say the market's hot. I think the market's unhealthy. But unhealthy. I'll, <laughs> I'll rant about that later. Um, man, so... I think the the biggest adjustment for me, having never done it before, and Jeff had never done a deal either, which is probably on paper terrifying for the general public. Either of you haven't done deals starting off? No. Wow. <laughs> right. That's and it's kind of a flaw in how the, the law is written in the state, and it's one we took advantage of, and it's one that's produced pretty good results so far. Oh, because you're saying you... We're able to start a brokerage without either of you having literally the state wow. says you got to have your license for two years before you become a managing broker and start your own thing yeah doesn't say you have to do a deal that's crazy i, I didn't know that yeah and then when you take your managing broker course and, and of course i'm not crapping on what the state does yeah um because i think their role is to qualify us enough to be able to to protect the general public of course. and i think they execute that role great yeah um but then when you take the managing broker course it's also relatively a low barrier of entry. Oh yeah. 
and it's shocking. Very shocking. Like my my last haircut, I looked at the ladies. They have to display their license, mm-hmm. and it said she had done fifteen hundred hours to of education. Hair? Yeah, we have to do like eighty. 90. 90. Yes, 90 90 hours. And I get she has scissors by people's eyeballs, but at the (laughs) same time... We're selling property. Yeah, I'm doing millions of dollars of business. Biggest investment for most humans. Man. So, yeah. Um, And to answer your question of what's it been like, I think the big adjustment was I had had normal jobs prior to this. Yes. So you get to compare. Yeah. (laughs) And it's kind of like I always compare it to... Uh, somebody got released from prison after a long imprisonment. Yeah. Like, you don't really know how to function in this world just yeah, yet. I could see that. Y- you have to deinstitutionalize yourself. Um, and I struggled with like accountability in the beginning. Yes. I- I'd say I'm going to work like nine to five and I'd work like 1030 to two. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cause it's on you. You're your own boss. Yeah. And at the time I didn't have a lot of business. So yeah, that's even harder. To There's only up. so much you can do. Exactly. So, yeah. Unless you're drumming up more business. And then now we're super busy, and I miss those days. But. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. How did you guys, first off, I don't know how the name of White Stag came into fruition, but how did you guys get to no business to a lot of business in a short span of time, I would say? Right. Um, so it's funny you ask that. Um, I'll touch on how we came up with the name. So there's companies years ago that had bought the rights to a bunch of different company names. Okay. We were not going to pay for any of those. No, don't blame me. Um, and then maybe this is grandiose, but we did think that at some point we may go into other states. Okay. And so we did look to see, like, okay, this name isn't in existence in Indiana, but gotcha. isn't anywhere in the country. And then you find one in Rhode Island. And do I anticipate going to Rhode Island? No. But um, but just in case. So finally I had a meltdown with Jeff one day. I'm like, look, <laughs> pick a color and an animal and let's move on. <laughs> And we were almost, wow. my vote was blue duck. Wow. Which in retrospect was a terrible idea. Yes. <laughs> blue duck. I like yeah. white stag better so than we, blue duck. So in the office, we still have a blue rubber duck, and that's just my reminder of like, you might think you have a good idea, and you don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. Blue duck. I'm glad you went with, uh, <laughs> you went with white stag. Some people think it's a Harry Potter reference because Harry's Patronus is a white stag. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Right. I'm a big Harry Potter fan, so that's funny. I am too, and I didn't make the connection. Really? That's, yeah. oh, well, we suck. But but yeah, so let's get back into, because this is something I like to hit on with Josh's brokerage that's different than a lot of brokerages, is your percentage offering. Right. So what is the pros and cons uh, of doing that? Okay, so I'm just going to say this up front. Okay. Uh, legally, the commission <laughs> that you pay your real estate agent is always negotiable. I'm going to look into every camera. Um, <laughs> it's always negotiable. Okay. So our whole shtick, and this is what Jeff pitched to me in the beginning, was we would offer listing agent commission as low as 1%. Gotcha. Okay. And I can't stress as low as enough. Initially, we had no market recognition. Yes. So anybody I got that was willing to sell their home with me, I would do for 1%. But you still, in this market, it's common. I mean, I say it's commonplace. I've never seen it not happen this way. Yeah. The seller pays some kind of commission to the buyer's agent. Yes. Okay. So what we're saying is our cut is as low as 1%. I still strongly recommend offering, depending on price points, somewhere between 25 to 3% to a buyer's agent. But in a market, and this is where we get into a lot of numbers and maybe we lose people, so pre-apologies, um, 
in a market where most listing agents operate somewhere around six to seven percent total yep. commission, we tend to operate somewhere between four. I think the highest we've ever gotten is six and a half. So in some instances, we're not cheaper than any of our competitors. Um, but you can be. Yeah, and typically, what makes us reduce the commission the most, and this was again the whole idea was Jeff's. If someone's willing to purchase their next home with us, we'll generally sell their home close to that 1% price point. Gotcha. Because we know we're getting two deals, and the home seller of the one we're buying is typically going to pay us 25 to 3%. That makes sense. So it's a concession to kind of double up on the business. Yes. Give a little in the beginning. We'll get you more business. Right. And you can, that makes um, total and sense. And like that, uh, last August and September is a good, good example of that. I got back-to-back clients that were selling high-end homes yes. to buy higher-end homes and I'm like, yeah, I'll sell your high-end home for a percent, and then I'll get 3% on these half-million-dollar-plus deals. There you go. And it's a great existence. Because everybody's winning. Right. And they feel great from the first deal that the second deal at a higher percentage is a no-brainer. They know because it. they don't have to pay that. The, exactly. the home seller pays it to me. I mean, there's other brokerages that initially are taking 6% right off the top. Right. You know, I mean... It's a, I guess that's a, that's a really good marketing ploy to yeah, drum now, in more business. Now, a lot of other realtors don't like our business model, no. obviously, um, and they say certain things like, uh, you know, when they bash lower commission agents, they'll say, uh, "You get what you pay for." Yes, you know, give it a little hint on that. <sighs> so I had that same concern in the beginning that yes. people would think if they're paying us a lower commission, they're getting a lower service. Yes. Um, but so far, empirically, how it's played out, um, I think just yesterday we got our 54th straight five-star review from an actual client. There you go. Okay? Not and a robot. And they're all Google reviews. So, yes. you, one, you can't delete them. And, two, they're filled with grammatical errors, so you know they're real. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. And, and so on the client side, I think it's been nothing short of great. I think we've saved our clients. If you compare our price to a 6% listing commission, yeah. I think we've saved our clients a little over $120,000 at this point. There you go. Um, just... And we're lucrative. Yes. And so that's the weird part for me, just wondering what if we would have gone with a traditional model. Mm. Um, I don't think we'd have gotten this volume of business, and I exactly. don't think we'd be doing this price point of home. Just gives you a massive competitive edge, too. Right, and especially in a market where we're not going to have full market recognition for probably years. Exactly, because you guys have only been in existence for... Uh, technically three years. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, if you're not going to get recognition, get separation. Exactly. You, you've got to have one of the two. It's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world. So. And, that's, and that's why I didn't join any of the other big brokerages I talked to back in 2015, because when you hear three-fourths of realtors don't make it yep. past like the two-year mark, that's shocking um, when you hear the average take-home income, I think it's somewhere around 50 to 55 grand. Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah. When you hear the average realtor does six to like eight deals a year, that's shocking. Yeah. Um, and I was not interested in that. Yeah. So let's, let's jump to that then. Why yeah. would a real estate agent new in the game want to come work for White Stag Realty? Probably the two big things. I mean... And the more we talk, some things are going to be repetitive, so I pre-apologize. Um, being able to create separation, because one of the big brokerages I had interviewed with years ago, I remember asking the question specifically, I was like, can I list a home and charge 5% instead yeah. of 6 And they said, you can, 
but you have to pay the company their commission split as mm. if you took 6%. Oh, wow. And gotcha. I'm like, dang, okay. So creating that freedom for new agents to get their foot in the door at whatever cost. Yeah. And especially that first year in real estate is a huge um, just investment in yourself. Yes. My first year in real estate, I only made, I think, 32000 in total commission. Really? You know, and then my second year, I over doubled that. And yep. this year, I think I'm going to get close to doubling that. Exactly. You know, but it, all the, it's like a, it's the snowball effect. First, you got to get business. Then you start generating more referrals. And then people are seeking you out. And now, I personally don't do a ton at 1%. Uh, because people are seeking me out specifically exactly. so I can... You have more leverage. I think I'm more valuable. Or more valuable. Than I was in the beginning, not than anyone else. Exactly. Yeah. So to move from that, what else does White Stag offer, you know, mentorships or benefits of being a realtor, aside from what you just mentioned? I think one key to our success is I do not mentor new agents. Okay. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry. I, I was like, is he yeah, serious? It was great. Okay. Uh, Man, that's funny. Probably the toughest thing is the mentorship aspect because you got to find that balance between coddling a new agent yes. and then forcing them into a scenario to work through something. Yes, figure it out. That is figure out a bowl. Yes. Right. Um, but yeah, we've grown up to, we have nine realtors now. Um, seven are actively producing, two are new licensees. Nice. And I think between one on one time, shadowing each other at each other's appointments and i'm big on like zoom screen sharing yes. to work through like contract stuff together yes. uh that's smart i'd say about probably 15 or 20 hours a week is dedicated to the production i'm doing yep and then probably the next 40 hours is going to the other agents exactly yeah well and another big point that i know personally is you guys are incredible at giving leads for your for real you guys have a right. massive Shout yeah. out to White Sag. Their SEO is insane. I mean. And I won't give all the secrets on no. how we got there, but it is wild because the first month that we were active in the market was May of 2019, and I got 33 hits on Google. That's crazy. Uh, and then now we Organic? Average, no ad spend? No ad spend. Wow. And then now we average about 4,300 to 5,000 a oh, month. Oh, gosh. Now- we do ad spend now, but not for Google ads. We do it for the Google screen service, which is a little bit different. What is that? I should know that I'm a Man. marketer. Right. So Google <laughs> screened uh, just became available for realtors recently. Okay. Uh, I would say in the last few months. Um, and you got to like submit your license, do a background check, oh, and wow. then they give you a little green check mark. And for whatever reason, that works. Yeah. Right. So on average month, we probably generate I'd say about 10 to 15 warm leads for... for Using that service? I mean, that plus... The other the, Google. Plus our regular Google when we just show up on Maps and stuff. Um, but yes, Google leads are probably at about 10 to 15 a month. Um, and I can't do all that business myself. So yeah. we pump that to the agents. Bad problem to have, right? Yeah. out of I mean, out of all our producing agents, 50% or more of what they've done, White Stag originated the lead. Really? So that's... Yeah, and I didn't have the perspective in the beginning that most brokerages don't operate like that. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, well, I think we got to give our people business. Yeah, it'd be a smart, smart incentive, right? Right. So aside from that, what kind of marketing do you think works best as a as a real estate agent? 
Google, we obviously know Google Dude. screening. That's a big one. I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Google ads. And then what about like Zillow ads or um, Facebook and Instagram ads? What are your opinions on? My answer is going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> Word of mouth. Word of mouth. I've, I've heard that from I mean, most business owners. And that's... And part of word of mouth is Google reviews too, because I've had people call me and be like, man, I've never heard of you guys, but I read through the reviews and like, can I use you? Yeah, there you go. Sure. Google you reviews. Know? And, and that's the piece. I don't understand why other brokerages haven't done that more. And I say that because like, for instance, there's a carpenter office near where I live. Yeah. And I think they're less than six reviews and that building has been there at least 20 years. Really? Right, so yes, you've heard of some of these other companies, but when you see like six reviews versus 50 plus... Who are you going to choose? You're like, man, what's this 50 plus one? Exactly. Right. Reviews are huge in, in anything. I mean, they really are very... People and especially organic, because sometimes yes. I see realtors post, and I'm not crapping on anybody, but I see them post on social media yes. reviews, and I'll have the person's like first name and last initial, and I'll look at their friends list, and I'll find someone with that yeah. first name and last initial, yeah. and it's a realtor, and I'm like... Okay, you know. Why and I know all about that. Yeah, I'm like, you have more reviews than you have deals done, so something doesn't <laughs> add up. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Okay, so let's move from that. We talked about agent. We talked about why someone would join White Stag. So let's get into, loop back to the realm of the market currently. I know you wanted to touch base on that. Man, yeah. Everyone obviously says the market's on fire because we showed up to an open house for instance in December yeah. on college Avenue and there were buyers lined down the street waiting to get in. Wow. Okay. That's a dream, but that's an unhealthy market. Uh, why is it doing that? Why uh, is the market like this? The real reason is I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I mean, obviously there's so many factors that all seem to be like catalyzing at the same time. I, I think that's the right word. Sounds good. Yeah. Catalyst, whatever. Um, young Jamie, can you look that up, please? I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always wanted to say that on a podcast. So I just, okay, so the market, um, obviously, COVID plays a big role. So COVID messed up new construction, yeah, uh, because the cost of treated lumber's through the roof. Yes, um, I have. For instance, I have. Sorry, I ramble a lot, but I will answer your question. You're good. Okay, Whew, I felt bad. Um, so I have clients we're closing next month on new construction that we signed the contract back in like last July. And part of the reason of why it took this big delay is because they signed the, the paperwork and stuff. And then they're like, oh, we want this other lot, like maybe two months later. Well, the big first step in new construction is permitting. Mm, yes. And so permitting had just finished, but they did still allow us to switch the lot. So now we're in the scenario where they're closing on their new home next month. I don't know if I should say the price, but about 270000 And the builder still built the last house that they designed, basically. Um, so it's the same layout, slightly different upgrades, four lots down. Yeah. And it closed two weeks ago at three forty. Wow. So that price jump in that time frame is wild. You know, so partially new construction, the, the lumber drove the price up, and then lack of resale inventory also drove new construction price up because they know there's less available if people seek an alternative. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. And then the other part is that COVID played a role in, I believe, is um, a lot of people uh, didn't sell last year because... Mm. COVID. COVID, right? Yes. 
Um, and so it just drove the inventory down, which drove the price up. And then now it intimidates people thinking about selling and buying because everyone says, if I sell my house, where do I go? Yes. Yep. You know, and it's a chicken and the egg scenario. We need more sellers in order to get these buyers into homes. And hopefully it's like one's more, hopefully those numbers can match at some point when the numbers match between sellers and buyers, you have a healthy market. Yeah. Huh. And will we be there this year or in 10 years? I don't know. Where do you see the market going in the next oh. six months to a year? What do you see happening? You see a crash occurring? I've heard that from some people. Man, I don't. Uh, honestly, I, I, I don't have an answer. I I think um, I read a quote one time. This is probably how I'm going to answer that question, <laughs> where the guy said, you know, the key to economics is you got to say definitively what's going to happen. Yeah. And then you have to explain later why it didn't happen. <laughs> you know, nobody knows. Nobody has any. That's like stock market. Nobody has a clue. It's easy for people to say there's a bubble or we're going to have a housing market collapse because I think as humans – we fear monger. Yeah. Um, but then you look at markets like, uh, not saying we're the next San Francisco, but San Francisco, property value elevated for years. Yes. And then now it's starting to come back down to earth a little bit. But, you know, normally the pendulum swings every year or two between seller's market, buyer's market, seller's market. And we're like probably year four of a seller's market. Okay. So the question is, is the pendulum going to swing? To the buyers or who knows? Who knows where it goes? Yeah. Gotcha. Huh. I know the, the market is, it's interesting. It's a very, it, it can go either way. It's up, down. And I, I think that's the beauty of being a real estate agent is because some agents will complain when it's going one way, not the other. But when it's going that way, go the other way. Right. You know, leverage where the market's at and make the money where it's at. Yeah. Hot, and, you know? and there's a... So with White Stack's success, there's a level of luck in this. Okay. We built a company tailored to listings. Yes, let's talk about that. During a hot seller's market. Yes. And at the time, we didn't know. Yeah. Because we didn't know what we were doing. Do you like list? Do you like buyers or sellers? But I always like asking that question. <sighs> I'm whenever we post this on social media, I'm gonna have to block all my buyers. <laughs> uh, I prefer sellers all day, every day. Really? It's a little different relationship because it. It becomes kind of like employee-employer. Yes. Okay? Um, but most of the time, when you list a house in this market, the tough part is navigating all the offers you get. Yes. Picking a winner and then executing the deal. But from start to finish, you're normally like 30 to 40 days. Okay. When you work with a buyer, from start to finish can be like a year. Because you have to go years. out and... Look you, at homes and... You go show homes, yeah. you bid. You know, one thing I talk about with our newer agents a lot is, so far, most of them are doing listings. Yes. Um, and, like, one of our agents had 10 offers on a listing recently. And wow. I'm like, here's the important piece to understand. 11 agents did work. Yes. Okay? You listed a house and 10 people, 10 other agents wrote offers. And two people are getting paid. You know? And so that's why... I, in this market, prefer sellers. Now, the benefit to buyers right now is they, well, the, sorry, the benefit to working with buyers is they typically have to operate quicker. So when they can be competitive in the offers that they make, I mean, I've had more buyers in the last six months look at one home and write an offer and get it than I did in the previous year and a half. Really? 
Yeah, because you don't have time, and it sucks for the buyers, but it's weirdly beneficial for the realtor working with the buyers that we're no in a situation. You look at a house, and you're like, do you love it? And they're like, yes, and then you have them sign the purchase agreement. Because there's not much inventory. Yeah, and I imagine in a normal market, you could go look at a house, and they could sleep on it. Yeah. You know, we're just... We're not on. We're not in sleep on it time now. Because there's not very many options. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Well, and that's the other thing, as you mentioned. I think working with sellers provides you get to save a lot of your time. You know, buyers can drain your energy in some aspect well, or another. And people do think that, but I will also say, when you get a hot listing, you generally are working an entire day oh, really? or two navigating all the offers. Mm. Um. I always use the analogy of milking the cow, so to speak, right? Gotcha. You know, I'm trying, and we're in a market now where buyer's agents will call and say, hey, just tell me what I got to put on the contract to win. Gotcha. The problem is I may have multiple buyer's agents call me and ask that question. Yeah. So when party one says, what do I got to put? I tell them, and then they do it. And then party two calls and says, what do I got to put? And I tell them more than the previous person, Yeah. you know? And granted, I'm not saying like an exact sale price, but I'm saying like, we're at least at this price. Uh, my sellers want possession of their home after closing, and we want a buyer willing to pay above a low appraisal if and when that occurs. Gotcha. You know, and then you get those terms, and the next person calls, and you're like, well, here's where we're at now. And so, yeah, we had I had a Franklin Township listing, man, I think in March, uh, and we got seven offers the day before showing started, Gosh. sight unseen. Um and it, it, it's just, it's insane. But that again, insane. I, I worked probably from 8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. that day on this one listing. listing. And it sounds like 12 hours to make a few grand isn't a big deal, but... Still a lot of time. Yeah, but we're in a profession where your time is probably even more valuable than that. I agree. Sometimes. I agree. Yeah. So let's move from that to give some give some content for, the, for new agents. What would you, because, well, you're pretty new yourself... What would you say? Wait, can I <laughs> can I sidebar from that? Go for it. Time wise, I'm new, but I think I've done like 55 or maybe 56 transactions. Oh, well. So it's like dog years, right? If the average <laughs> agent does six or eight deals a year, um, that makes sense. Maybe I'm like a six year realtor. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. 55 transactions adds up longer than the that. dog years analogy is weird, but that's how I look at it. No, that makes total sense. <laughs> But yeah, so to give some content for the newer agents, what would you what would your advice be for someone just getting their feet wet? Has their license, they're out of brokerage. What should they do day to day? They don't have anything going on. Man. Huh. I know. It's, a, it's an interesting one. Immerse yourself in it. Yeah. And it's so tough when you don't have business because you ask yourself, well, how do I immerse myself in it? Uh, when I started out, I would read like 10 or 20 listings a day. Okay. Just to like calibrate to develop my own opinion of like, man, that was a good listing. If it was your own. No, no, no. Other oh. people's listings. Oh. I would read like 10 or 20 that hit the market that day, and you'd see one with like a finger in one of the photos, and you're like, ah, that's garbage. <laughs> and then you see one with no property description whatsoever, and you're like, that's garbage. And then you see this one with supplements and, and professional photography. and then okay. Drone footage. Uh, we'll talk about drones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh a property description that's like appealing and stuff, you know, and you start to calibrate and be like, okay, that's how it's done. You know, it, it, I'm a big sports fan and, and and it's like, can I do some things athletically? He heck no. I almost cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! We blurp okay. it out. Yeah. Um, 
but I can, uh, maybe it's a weird analogy, but like I can shoot a basketball in different styles, like yes. some of my favorite NBA players. And it's that same concept of, I was looking at bad agents and good agents exactly. and developing my opinion of which is which. And how to craft it when you're going to do your first listing. Right. So that reading listings, I think is good. Any CE you can take. So in the first three years, you got to do the 30 hour post license course, yes. which yep. is a good course. Yes. But don't limit yourself to that. No, do if more. Can, yeah, if you can pay 45 bucks for an appraisal CE, even though it's not required, go learn how to do appraisals. Exactly. Right? Um, now, granted, it's investment of money, and a lot of agents starting out don't have income yeah. and don't want to then have outcome. Yes. Out. Okay, whatever. Get it. <laughs> uh, so maybe finding that balance is a little tough. Um, and then this answer sucks too, but hit the phones. Yeah. If you're not calling somebody... What are you doing? Yeah. I've heard phones is... And that's what everyone's afraid of. And if you're afraid of that, then I don't know I would think about not being a real estate agent. Uh, yeah. Or in sales in general. And I'd still look at it and be like, man, thousands of homes sell every single month in this market. You can get two of them. Yes, I agree. Right? Who do you call? That's the question there. So we start out and we called for sale by owners, which okay. every realtor is taught to try in the beginning. The differentiating factor is somebody for sale by owners because they don't want to pay six or seven percent. Of course. And I'm like, hey, I got you for four, right? Yes. There you <laughs> so go. So that got a little easy, um, and that's now that's like our low hanging fruit lead source if and when we need. Gotcha. Yeah. Calling for sale by owners. Right. What other do you call anybody else? What about absentee owners? No, no absentee owners. No, we don't uh, farm expired listings. That's another thing. That was another thing, farm yeah. expired listings. You haven't done that at all? No. Mailers? I mean, there's no difference between that and buying a 50-cent scratch-off lottery ticket. <laughs> like, even if it hits, 50 cents and you're winning two bucks, right? <laughs> um, like, there's a reason that home didn't sell, exactly. especially in this market. That makes total sense. Yeah. What about mailers? So I've done mailers. How'd that go? I've probably done 800 to 1,000 in two years, and I got one client. Hey. I mean, how much were the mailers? Uh, 75 cents a piece. So when you figure the, the paper, one business card, an envelope, and a stamp, I'm probably in the neighborhood of 75 cents. Huh. So it did. It was ROI positive, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I I look for higher ceiling and lower floor options now if I can. I don't blame you. Sorry, higher floor options. So what about drone footage? Ah. When do you, I always like to ask agents, when do you think, is it always on the top tier properties that you want to implement drone footage or? Have uh, you started your real estate course yet? Yeah, I'm, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you learn very early in the, the real estate pre-licensing um, course that every piece of real estate is inherently unique. And I think that's a good tenant to never forget about what we do. And I say that to say this, if your marketing plan for every home is the exact same, it's a problem. It is. Yeah. Your marketing plan for every home should be unique. And I say that because there are agents out there that do drone photos regardless of the house. Really? Yeah. And so you get drone photos of a 2,500 square foot, um, two-story cookie-cutter house <laughs> in a subdivision where you can see how close your neighbors are and that they have trash in their backyard. That may hurt the, the listing. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, you probably don't need drone photos unless it's a large property. Yes. It's a high-end property. Yep. It's a large lot or a weird-shaped lot. And I say that because sometimes you run into these. We did one in Nashville last year, those six acres. Yeah. And even the, do you know what meets and bounds are? I don't. 
Okay, it's an old way they used to do property descriptions, and it would literally say, like, start at this corner, walk 55 steps that way. Then when you get to the birch tree, oh walk boy. 40 steps left. But I say that, say this, the six-acre lot was the most weird-shaped lot I've ever seen. Drone photos are important for that. That would help. So you can draw what the property line is. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I could, you know, sometimes they, <laughs> I didn't ever think about doing drone footage for a, you know, a house in the suburb where you're. People do it, though. That's crazy. And I'm like. To pay the money for it but, if you're not doing it in-house. But if you're getting 7% on a listing that's $250,000, it's, you know, you're talking fifteen grand. That makes a little. Uh, so, yes, you can spend a couple hundred bucks. Do you need to, especially in this market? No. Hmm. Here's another question for you. What are your pros and cons? Because I've never actually interviewed someone who owns the brokerage. What are your pros and cons to owning the brokerage versus not? And why would you want to own a brokerage? Or half a brokerage, I should say. So my answer is going to be very specific to me. Of course. Okay. I struggled in white-collar America. Okay. It just sometimes, like, you get policies and procedures that have no apparent purpose or important role in the business, and you're told you just got to do it anyways. Or Sometimes you work, you end up working for a company that has no values, you know. And yeah. I, I learned later in life when I interview for a job, I'm always going to ask what values does either the ownership or the or the manager Sense. of the company have, you know. And I say that to say this: the biggest pro is you can do it however you want. Of course, right. Um, now the con is you can do it however you want, right? <laughs> uh, because inherently, you may try, and you want to have a high success rate, but you may try 10 things and two things don't work. And, yeah. and so you have to be able to identify what doesn't work, why doesn't it work, and is it worth changing something to try it again if the reward is worth the risk? And maybe that sounds like I'm talking cliches, um, but I always think in, in, in business, um, and actually the last restaurant I worked for, they taught me this. Some people have what's called ugly baby syndrome, okay? Never heard of that one. So it, it's not a real syndrome. You'll, you'll <laughs> never find it online. But it's, you know, everyone thinks their baby is cute. Yes, but okay. But some babies aren't cute. Yes, I know. Good. And the parent will never admit it. And of I course think not. that's an inhibiting factor sometimes in business. You know, even I've had blue duck. That, yeah, was my, yeah. that was my baby. Yeah, you thought it was great. And it was ugly, <laughs> right? But I had to admit that to myself. And and, and that process can be humbling. Um, it can lower your self-esteem at times. Yes. But you have to find the things that you try that didn't work and explore a little bit deeper if you should be trying it. That makes so sense. the pro is you can do whatever you want. The con is you can do whatever you want. And you have to have the awareness that if you're doing something wrong, you yourself has to correct it and Man. be honest about it to everyone and yourself because if not you're just putting up a barrier in front you know right blue and duck realty may, <laughs> may have been a bear a barrier there right uh, <laughs> and like as we add this is the cool dynamic is as we keep adding agents um scalability becomes yes. the thing that i always think about now but um there may have been something that worked great when it was just me yeah and it's not working with nine people and so we have to revisit some of the systems we've implemented that a good sense. example is um are you on the Real Estate Mastermind Facebook page? I believe so. It's an interesting one, but inherently, like, or inevitably, like, once a week, someone will post, 
and say, hey, what's the best CRM to use? Yeah. And that's my favorite question because uh, that's a realtor that's overthinking their lack of success so far. Yes. If your CRM is not what is making or breaking your income, <laughs> right? Um, but I say that to say this, I don't have a CRM for White Stag Realty. Really? We use a Google Sheet. Nice. <laughs> I use Google Calendar. I want a CRM, though. Right. But I, uh, what was the tangent I'm going on? It, it's just to say um, my Google Sheet worked perfect when it was just me. That makes sense. And not everyone's using the system the same way. So we are starting to explore, okay, now as we get into double-digit agents soon, that are we CRM time? That makes sense. You so know? you have to be able to adapt to this. You have to essentially innovate with how you know how big your business is growing. Right. And and one thing Jeff, my business partner, has taught me, he's like, hey, because he, he, he runs his own um, company. He, a lawyer? Sp- yeah. Yes. He runs his own law practice. Law practice. Um, and he's like, man, the thing about running a business, it's never the same. No. Like, if what you're doing year, year one is what you're doing year five. You may have a problem. 99% per- chance you're wrong. Yes. Right? It's, I agree. It's constant flux. I'll write stuff down that I need to do one week, and then I look back on it the week later, I'm just like, what was I doing? What, what was I even talking about? Do you take, like, half notes so you can't, like, yeah. Yeah. I used to do that. And, yeah, and it's like, I'll look back at my notes. I'm like, where, <laughs> where was I even at? Like, yeah. one week is all it can be, and it's a whole new, I don't know. It's it's weird. And you said you started using uh, Google Calendar now? Yeah. Man, so I'm not organized naturally. Yeah. Okay? I have adapted to being one of the most organized people I've ever met. Okay? And one system I've really started using was Google Calendar Love early. It. And now I'm to the point I color code it. Oh, I've been doing that for and ages. And now I'm to the point I'm sharing my calendar with other people. Nothing so that, better. Yes. Man. It's great. But, it, but it, again, it started as a small tool, just me using my own calendar to like, oh, even using. Uh, oh, there we bleep. go. We'll have to bleep it. Uh, gosh, I'm young Jamie. I'm sorry. <laughs> um but being like, man, even having my own calendar doesn't work, so I started color coding, and now yep. I'm sharing it. When it's I, weird. When I started working for my dad, he was still writing their appointments on paper. I mean, they're having <sighs> eight to nine jobs a day. That is a testament to what I said of uh, about if what you're doing in year one yes. is what you're doing in year five yes. or ten or and whatever. And I've updated them to Google Calendar, and then it moves into color coding, and then it moves into scheduling jobs, and doing. now we do text message marketing where... Yeah. People get a text to, to confirm or not. So it is, it's a whole it's a whole thing that if you're not adapting, innovating, you're in my opinion, you're dying from a business perspective. But also I don't know how much I, I think we overuse the word innovating. True. Okay. White stag realty did not innovate. Yeah. Okay. There are cheaper brokerages out there. True. Right? It's uh your your father's business is not innovating. They're using Google Calendar. It's something everybody does now. True. It sometimes people say innovating, and what they really mean is catching up. Catching up. There you go. That right. would be the better term to yeah. use there. Because yeah, they're not innovating. They're just now catching to up. your dad though. You're innovating, and you let him believe that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have. Oh, I've let him believe it. That's for sure. Yeah. But let's talk this because this is always one for myself. Is so what would be kind of the barriers? Because I. You know, agents say they're in the game for a period of time. What's the barriers to starting a brokerage? Like how cost-wise, I know there's a lot of legality concerns that go into it. How do you do that? How do you even figure that out? 
I'm so far removed from it already, I don't remember. But I do know, <laughs> I think our startup costs were less than like 10 grand. Really? And it's, again, it's because people overthink it. Maybe, yeah, I figured Maybe that. some people would buy all the supplies for all the business they're not doing yet. Yes. And we just kept buying stuff as we needed it. That's step one. Two, um, we do a lot of things ourselves. So um, Jeff does the accounting, the SEO, and those are services that a lot of times people pay, pay other people for. for. Yep, yep. Uh, we don't have a CRM. Uh, it literally was like I bought three lockboxes and three yard signs, and then we started. See what happens. Yeah, and we already had an office here downtown, so that kind of just worked out. So it's really not as complicated as everyone puts it out to be. You also partner with a lawyer, I too. Th- that yeah. helps. Well, well, if you ever meet him, you'll take that back. Uh, I'm just kidding. He's he's, he's seriously. Uh, I'll tell you one random thing. Um, have you ever done Meyer Briggs? Yes. Yep. Man, I forget what our personality types are. But one time, I was just randomly googling it, and it's it shows like pairings that work great together. And gotcha. the number one Meyer Briggs pairing was, you two. was our personality types. There you go. You know, he's the dreamer. He's the visionary. I'd say 95% of his ideas are terrible. (laughs) But I am the kind of... Realist? uh, Yeah, realist. um, Having an operational background in restaurants and hospitality definitely helps because he may have an idea, and I can already kind of picture how it would work in practice. that makes sense. And I can be like, ah, no, that's... Wow, that's bad. (laughs) But he's uh, he's had several ideas over the years that we haven't pursued um, just because we don't want to spread ourselves too thin. True. Um, that I've since seen other companies pop up that do. Really? So like hmm. online platforms for earnest money. I mean, Jeff told me about that years ago. Online, what does that mean, online platform? So it's kind of antiquated in real estate. Um, whenever you submit an offer within two or three days, you should submit earnest money to That's the like sellers. A, yeah. It goes towards your down payment at closing. It's just yeah. a sign of sincerity, if you will. Gotcha. Um. But for the most part, people are driving paper checks all over the city and dropping them off at real estate brokerage offices, title company offices. And it's like, can we do this on the Internet? Oh, you know, that makes sense. Can we just log in, submit the earnest money and be good? Instead of mailing checks. Yeah, because yeah. then somebody makes it payable to the wrong party. Mm. Someone doesn't reference the property address and a title company sitting there with a check. They don't know what it goes to. The mail or, loses it. Y- yes. And actually, during COVID, that became an issue. I figured it did. Man. Wow, um, that's a very simple. So, yeah, another, like, good idea Jeff had, we didn't do it. And now I've seen, like, there's a company called Ernest with two N's mm. um, that is trying to, to implement this on a larger scale. Really? It's huh. kind of neat. Yeah, it is neat. Yeah. So does Jeff, does he sell or is he just, no? Nope. Huh. He would actually be, I can say this on camera, he would be terrible as a realtor, <laughs> right? Um <laughs> He's a great business guy, very supportive, which maybe I seem confident now, but I needed that in the beginning. True. Uh, I think we all do. Of course. Um, but yeah. What made him want to start a brokerage, being in his law background? Man, great question. Should we phone him or something? I don't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> phone a friend? Hey, Jeff, you're on a podcast. Uh, Why did you start this brokerage? <laughs> uh, he's just, he's a very driven guy. Really? Man, even when I met him, like, he used to work for the prosecutor's office, and he was talking about, like, he had a realization one day that he made the same amount of money every year as a Taco Bell GM. (laughs) And he's like, "Ah, I got to do my own thing, you know, and he just did it. That's awesome. Probably his biggest strength is 
where some people see roadblocks, he does not. That's good. You know, That's big. To go, I'm being reiterative, but the people that think, uh, if I had the right CRM... I'd kill it. He doesn't have that about him. He just okay. does the thing, whatever the thing is. Yeah. And I, it's great. I think everything comes down to execution. Right. You know, a lot of people sit around and think things through so much, and it's just like, just go. Figure it out later. Man, there's a good book um, called The War of Art. Yep, yep. Have you read it? I don't think so. So it's not, everyone confused it with The Art of War, which that's is a drastically I, different book. That's the one I've read. Uh, it's the, really short. Yes, yeah. every chapter is like basically a page. Yeah, I but read it, that one. It really has to do with resistance and how it manifests and how people create resistance kind of against themselves, which yes. sounds weird. It's all in your head. Um, and that is, you know, all these realtors and stuff getting into it, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and all those like cliche yep. self-help books. Not crapping all those books, but nothing impacted me like like the War of Art did. I need to read that one. There's a chapter in it. I say a chapter. It's a page. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where the, they asked an author, they're like, man, when do you find the time to write? And he said, it's very important that I only sit down to write when I feel inspired. Hmm. But it's very important that I put on my calendar that I'm going to be inspired every morning at 9 a.m. Oh. And it's that balance of you can dream, but you got to work. Yes. And you got to make yourself work. Exactly. Huh. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And again, you can read it in a sitting. It's such a short book. You're talking. You're not talking about the big book, right? You're talking about the no, small the, one. yeah, the War of Art, uh, not, which is the smaller one. The the Art of War is about um, Sam. You've read the book. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you were acting like you haven't read it. Oh, I was thinking you're talking about the big book. No, no, no. That's about military. I the mean, military one. Yeah, I've read the small one where it talks the about military like military one is also cool. I've read that one. Yeah. That's a great book. It makes you find your passion. That one. Where he's like acting like he goes to work every day, that one. Right. Yes, I have read that book. Yeah. I got that on Audible. That's a great book. I've never listened to a book. Fun fact. Really? Yeah. I used to go really hard at it while I was driving like bigger pockets and all that, but I would need the right voice. If Danny McBride True could read every book, I would listen to Audible. I forgot why you could talk to us. Okay, his name is Young Jamie. Young <laughs> Jamie, I will, sorry. I will accept nothing else. Um, so let's talk. Do you ever get on bigger pockets? Yes, that's a good point. Never. Really? Man. <sighs> never. You could draw up business on there. That's what I've heard. I've never done it, but man, it's here's another reason I think realtors fail is they spread out way too much. That makes sense. If your niche is going to be investors, do it. Stick to it. Get on bigger pockets. Yep. Okay. My niche is and I do work with investors. I currently have two that I'm working with. Um, but, uh, my niche is buying and selling general public resale homes. Yeah. Um, and it's sick to it. Yeah. You at least for now. I mean, gosh, at some point, if we have enough producing agents to where I don't need to produce, then I may sit back and say, okay, what's next for me individually? Yeah. You know, and I think I'll be there in the next year or two, Yeah. but I'm not there yet. What is, so to move from that, what is your next, I was going to ask, do you do any investment properties of your own? Nah. Have you uh, looked into that at all? Man, can we block my wife from this? Okay. <laughs> I, I've had the thought, and she just got licensed and got into real estate herself. So oh, I really? think she'll have the thought at some point as well. Yeah. I, I, obviously, I think it's a naturally occurring thought. Of course. Uh, when she, once you work with 
um, home flippers or, yes. or buy and hold investors, yep. and you see the numbers yourself, you're like, man. I could make some money here. Right. I think I could do it better than even my own clients do sometimes. Yes. So you've never thought about that, owning property or renting I out? have, but I haven't done it yet. You're the You're the crypto guy. Oh, God. Here we go. Oh, my doge. We might as well talk about it for a little bit. Man, okay, so... This will be our clip that'll go the most viral. Let me... God. <laughs> let me just say this. <laughs> yeah, I, get your... I, one, I can't get financial advice, and two, I have no idea how crypto works. <laughs> <laughs> I bought Doge. I actually... I'm... Do, do you ever go on Reddit? Yes. Okay, I'm what they would call paper hands. What's that mean? I sold. Oh, he's that guy. <laughs> right. I've been posting about it all week, and I finally caved and sold. Um, we have a kid, though, so. Yeah, and that's my big, that uh, I think, reason. For, you get less risky when you have children running around. Okay. Um, but, man, it's interesting because I posted a lot about Doge in the last a lot. week, two weeks. Yeah, Two times a day <laughs> a lot. I, um, I I think I bought Doge, not financial advice on his part, yeah. but I definitely bought after seeing all those posts. Like, I got to put some money in this just for fun. Man, I think I've gotten a lot of people to buy Doge. Like, yeah. I think 13 people use my Robinhood link that I posted. Seriously? Yeah, because you get free stock every time someone uses it. So you got 13 it. free stocks? Well, I don't know why it captured me, but at some point, initially, I would get three free stocks yeah. per oh, uh, referral. And nice. then now I'm getting one per referral, so I think like they prorate it back down but whatever um but it's interesting because people have this opinion or this perception that i know what the hell i'm talking about <laughs> um and i'm like who knows though someone asked me yesterday i was at a networking event and someone was talking about doge and they said uh uh what's your investment basis <laughs> and i was like man i bought a coin with a dog on it i <laughs> don't know what you're asking me elon musk said it was a joke you must buy it it started as a joke. I know. That's the crazy part about I it. I think it was like one, one, one ten thousandth of a penny. Something nuts. And then now it's like 60 cents. Where do you see crypto going? With the uh, Fed printing all this money, what's our... I know this is a real estate podcast, but this is a it's another, big point of business. Yeah, but it's another economics thing. If anybody knew, they'd... Yeah, yeah. that's <sighs> true. My big thing is if any crypto started being used regularly, like the it's US getting, dollar, yeah, and everyone thought Bitcoin would be it, but I don't think you can have a unit of currency worth 60000 true, or whatever it is now true dollars. Um, but I also don't want to go to Doge at $0.60 cents on the dollar. True. Uh, and we basically have pesos at that point. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I don't know either. I, I It is interesting, though, how it's not... It's a. It's like a... It's a term. Of it. It's cutting into the the big thing that's always been. If that makes sense. It, in my opinion, it proves that nothing. And maybe this is too existentially deep for this kind of podcast. But yeah. nothing's really real. Like yes. the dollar was real because we're like, of course it's dollars. It. Yeah. And then now we're like, well, there's a coin with a dog on it that you can't physically hold, and no one knows. Yeah. <laughs> what it's backed by. No, no idea. But it's worth way more now than it used to be. And I heard too, it's you can't shut these things down because it's people could have these mind. Have you seen the mind thing right. that they have, where yeah. it could be in someone's closet 
you know. Man, and it draws a lot of power. Have you heard about that? I haven't heard about that. Yeah, there's a meme going around, and it's like a apartment building where all the apartments have like snow on the outside, except for one apartment. And That's like, the one with the. He's mining crypto there. How do you even do that? How do you make money off that? What do you mean mining crypto? It's like you're not digging for gold. Why well, you have any contacts on that? Young Jamie. Young Jamie. God, this is great. This I is really don't feels know. Like. He probably knows more about it than I do. <laughs> I just know that you need like a bunch of processing power and energy to <laughs> mine it. I mean, it's it's like basically. I mean, the whole thing is like digital gold. So they set it yes. up to where you need a lot of energy and a lot of like processing power to mine it. So I okay. Here's my thing. So we have this dog based. NFT, non-fungible yes. token, that's growing at a rapid rate. Um, I started a real estate company with zero experience whatsoever, and it's growing at an incredible rate. The other day, I walked through the living room, and my wife was watching The Masked Dancer, which oh, I've yeah. never heard of. Seen that. And there was a person dressed like a zebra twerking on TV. Nice. And I'm just hitting this point in my life. I'm like, man, nothing's real. No. Nothing's real. It's it's sad, and, but it's also liberating a little bit. Cause True. Again, now to bring it back to real estate, like people, uh, yeah, we have enough time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, initially I shot my shot for a lot of realtors to join us. And they're like, no, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. And then now we're hitting a point where in the last two years, those same realtors have come back, come back and be like, wait, how are you getting all this business? And I'm like, man, you can Google my business model. Yes. Like we're very transparent with it. Um, but again, the growth on paper makes no sense. Yeah. Just like Doge. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. Actually, I'll tell you one more fun story. Huh, well, th- sorry, that was mean. It's not, it's a little <laughs> sad too. So there was a, a young guy that got licensed the same week that I did in 2019. Um, I knew him through like friends of friends. Gotcha. And then saw him on social media. He got licensed. I'm like, man, I just got licensed. And he joined a different brokerage. And I told him about White Stack. I'm like, dude, you haven't done a deal yet. Come on over. Check it out. Uh, and he's like, nah. Nah. And he did more business than me initially. Really? By a lot. Like, I did 10 deals my first year for, like, I think 2.1 or 2.4 million. And he did more than that. Wow. And about two weeks ago, I pulled onto the Chick-fil-A parking lot. And uh, I'm not going to say where because I don't want to oust him. Uh, and he was directing traffic on the lot for the drive through so he's working Chick-fil-A? Right. Wow. And so it's a testament to like... That's crazy. Man, our model really did work because I, I was like, what if that would have been me? Because he interviewed with one of the same brokerages at the same office that I did in 2015. Really? Yeah. What do you think was the flaw in that brokerage that led him to... Uh, taking too much money from him. Really? If you're doing that amount of business at the commission rates that they likely charge... You're not making... That makes sense. Yeah. Do you guys charge like desk fees and all that stuff as well? Nah, I really try to make it so we don't get paid unless you get paid as an agent. That's a beautiful model there. Right. I sat down with one uh, gal from a different brokerage recently thinking about joining us. And I was like, man, what's your split now? And she said, I get 50-50. Oh, boy. Plus, I pay a monthly fee. Yes. Plus, on any deal I do, I pay a royalty fee. Oh, wow. And I was like, you're not at 50-50. I mean, no. I'm just doing that, like, desk math there. Yeah. It's crazy. How do you make any money? You don't. And that's why the fail... I mean, that's one of the reasons the failure rate is astronomical. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. 50-50 desk fee, royalty fee. I know. That's absurd. I'm like, you pay every month 
even if you don't do anything. Desk fees just always were. As soon as I heard that, I was like, ah, I'm, I'm. Some of them are crazy. I've seen some at like five or six hundred bucks. Ah, it's nuts. It's like, right. dude, we're in COVID. Like, I can work at home. Yeah, I can buy a desk a month for that fee. That's it. Right? Five to six hundred bucks. That's, I mean, they better <laughs> now, be. Nowadays, they're getting lower because I think they're saying there's no appeal whatsoever in that. But it, I think that's. So there's essentially two gripes I had about traditional brokerage models that kind of fueled my interest in Jeff's idea. And one was the, um, obviously, the commission rates that most companies charge. Yes. I personally don't think it's justified. No. You know, I asked a realtor one time if you sell a $400,000 house and the total commission is 6%, do you believe that both realtors working together on that deal brought $24,000 of value to the homeowner that was selling? I don't think anyone can answer that with a yes. I totally agree. Right. Um, And then the second gripe I've always had about the traditional models is if your failure rate is 75 or 80%, why do you keep adding people? Yeah. Right? (laughs) Like, obviously, I... I post probably once or twice a month about looking for new realtors, but I don't have, I mean, so, so far we've added 11 realtors total and I've had one leave us and one flip to referral status. What's that mean? Flip to referral status. Um, you have no more CE requirements. I, you don't have to pay your, my board dues. You're not technically as part of my board anymore, but you can then refer business back to white stag and we'll give you a cut of the commission when it closes. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. It's a kind of sweet gig, and I've thrown it out there for newer agents looking to like generate some income yeah. before they really get rolling with it. But, but yeah, two out of eleven. I'm like, that's a. Granted, it's a small sample size. Yeah. But that's astronomically lower. And so when you see these other companies adding ten, twenty new yeah. agents a month, and then you see the massive turnover. Right. It, it seems unjustifiable. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't. So again, when Jeff pitched the idea, I was like, "Dang, that might work." Yeah, I wouldn't. To have a massive turnover just doesn't look good for your reputation either. It's also tough to run the company with massive turnover because you're constantly Filthy. training people. Yeah, like I, I, I benefited in restaurants and hospitality having low turnover rate, and the benefit was I'm not constantly teaching people how to do their job. True, that's so much energy in itself. Right. That's what I mean. Auto appeal. We. It's tough to. My dad always has to factor in. If the guy doesn't know to tint windows. I mean, that's a lot. Of, it takes six months to grasp that. That's a that. tough industry. Very tough industry. It is because that's. It's tough to find labor. Yeah. Because it's very, very skilled. Tinting yeah. windows or installing remote starts aren't just. You know, it's not like flipping hamburgers <laughs> at McDonald's. You know, it's a. It's, right. a, it's a pretty pretty tough skill to to acquire. But yeah, yeah um, I always like to. Unless you got anything else with our two minutes to go here, um, I like to throw out handles for all your platforms. I know you're on Facebook. I have no platforms. <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Josh Domagani. Uh, spell at, that, will you? Yeah. D I L M A G H A N I. I spelled it wrong. Um, half of what I do on on Facebook is personal stuff and private, and I'm not. I think I that's good, though. Yeah, I don't have a professional page because I want people to know I'm a S- human. Smart. Memes make me laugh. Yes. And I sell houses. I like that. I like, I was going to compliment you on that as well, how you... Meme game strong. Well, the meme game, and <laughs> it's smart to bring in your personal life at some, you know, you don't want to have your Friday night where you're getting boozed up at a bar if, if that's what you do. Right. But showing your family, showing, I think that's very good for reputation when it comes to selling real estate. Yeah. But yeah, I'm on everything. Samuel Fouch. 
You're going to laugh when you hear all the stuff I'm on. Dude, I've listened to the other three episodes. I know all the stuff you're on. Well, yeah, I'm on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and then YouTube. And that there's other ones, but I don't want to name them all. I saw you on FarmersOnly.com as well. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Farmer. <laughs> we'll have to make a cut out of that one. That's a good one. <laughs> FarmersOnly.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. What else is there, Wyatt? Uh, Do you say Snapchat? Yeah. MySpace. Pinterest. No, I'm just kidding on those two. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. That's my wow. best one. That's my best one. Samuel Fouch. Some of them I'm Samuel Justice Fouch, so you have to type is in. Is that what the J stands for? What? On I thought your middle name is... Justice. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang, okay. Fun fact. Branding, baby. Right. Justice, I like it. Sounds good. Dang, that's powerful. That's a wrap. Unless you got anything else, Josh? No, man. Thanks for having me no on. No problem. This was fun. Until next time. Yep. Thanks. Yeah.